want to direct your attention to the book of Romans tonight, uh, chapter 6, and we'll be taking our text from that, and uh, a message that I've titled, Wanted, Dead, and Alive. Not dead or alive, but dead and alive. And I believe that when, as we go down through these passages of Scripture tonight, in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, you'll see exactly how that plays out tonight from these passages of Scripture, how that title fits so appropriately in our text tonight. And so let's just read that tonight. So what shall we say then? Verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? Paul asked the question. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you so much, Father, for this privilege we have to come to stand before your throne room, God, and present your word, your words of life tonight. And God, I just pray that you hide me behind the cross, that Jesus Christ may be seen in all things. And I ask this in your precious name. Amen. You know, the question is just, just jumps out at you tonight. It says, how can dead men lie, live? You know, and it just almost seems like that has to be one of those things called an oxymoron. I mean, that just doesn't make good common sense because dead men can't live. Uh, but in this case, that's exactly what the apostles trying to relate to them. In reality, they shouldn't. But you know, there's always a problem when dead men think they're alive. I mean, just look at the horror movies that we see today, do we not? I mean, we got all these zombie this and zombie that, and, you know, we even have zombie uh, series on TV now, and, uh, you know, it's just zombie everything, and people are all about trying to get these people to live even though they're dead. Uh, you know, we're told in the Bible that uh, we're all sinners, and we are. Uh, there's a, the only difference in lost sinners and, and saved sinners is that saved sinners just that we're saved. And we've been shown clearly through the Bible that there's only one means of salvation. And Paul has clearly pointed that out in, in the beginning of the book of Romans. It, and he went right off the bat through chapter 1 even and all down through it that faith, salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're told by placing our faith in Jesus that we're given this gracious, wonderful gift of salvation by simply receiving his free gift. And so Paul also lets us know, and has, as he's done in the previous chapters of the book of Romans, that he's let us know that the human race is doomed. He tells us back in chapter 5 that, we're, that the humanity is doomed. And it's all because of this thing called sin that Father Abraham, I mean Father Adam, I'm sorry, brought in. And so that just begs the question, how... How is it that humans who come to Jesus Christ, how is it that, they're, that they have salvation? How is it they're saved from this doom? Or how is it they're given this new life in, in Jesus Christ? Well, I think our text this afternoon will uh, bring out how that we can be dead and alive. Now, I understand, and I get that that's a strange statement, but like I said, as we go through this, I think as we get a little bit deeper into the Scripture tonight, we'll see how this, how this just co comes right out and just jumps right out as we'll see these. There's three things I want you to notice that tonight that in order for us to understand how that dead men can live, 
that uh, we must accept to be able to understand this great biblical truth here. In verses 1 and 2, what shall we say then, Paul says? Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? Right off the bat, he is making a rhetorical question. In other words, we're, uh, Paul is not saying that uh, he's not asking the question. He's making a rhetorical question. How is this possible? I mean, uh, but, you know, the, Paul had, uh, the argument is actually based back in chapter 5, verses 20 through 21, when uh, Paul made the argument over there where he, he said in verse 20 of chapter 5, said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace abound much more. So that sin, what? Reigned in death. Even so that grace may reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, Paul tells us right here in our, this passage of Scripture here that there's two kings. And that one, either one king or the other reigns. Now, when we were lost, he tells us that sin was king. That's what he means by the word reigning there. He was reign, king was dominating, reigning in our life right here. And he said, but when we got saved, we, another king stepped in. And that, reign, that one came by grace. And that reign in the air was through righteousness, through eternal life in Jesus Christ. But we can't forget in this passage, we're also told that there's a presence of much sin. But where there is much sin, he says, there's more grace. Now, I know where some people try to go with this, and they try to make the argument, and they try to say, well, if grace comes as a result of sin, then shouldn't we just sin more so we can enjoy more grace? And uh, that is an age-old question that's been passed down through the ages and everything and, and argued back and forth through theologians. Many know that they're saved. We understand that. We get that. They know that their salvation's eternal. And they know that they are eternally secure. So because of that, some people have the idea that they can live far below God's standard, knowing that, that they can come out and just repent any time they want to. Well, there's a, there's a serious problem with that right off the bat. In fact, if you've been caught up in this mindset, your action says one of two things about you. First of all, it says that you never, first of all, truly ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior. In other words, you're lost. In other words, you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are destined, you are doomed, and you are down for a devil's hell. And that's what the Bible clearly points out. If you never make a decision for Jesus Christ, that's where you're at right now. The other glaring problem we see with this is that, you, that if you are saved, then obviously you don't care about your life or what your life says about Jesus Christ in it. And if you are saved, you have a problem because you stand in the, in, in, uh, in the face of the chastisement of God. In fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews brings out in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. You know, I knew my daddy loved me. He cared enough to whoop me. Amen. He cared enough to keep me out of trouble. He knew if I didn't give, give me what I needed every so often, I'd be, right, I'd be in terrible shape. And that's how we know that God the Father loves us because he chastens us. He says, right there it is. In fact, he goes and says, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Of course, he's quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 there. But if you endure chastising, God deals with you as with, a, as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening of, if you're not without chastening of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And so that's the argument that's being played, that Paul is having to face right here. 
But as always, God always, there's an argument, there's always an answer. In verse 2 we get that. He says, God forbid, how shall we that, that are dead to sin live any longer? And if we're dead to sin, how can we continue in that sin, he's saying? If you're indeed dead to sin, how do we keep doing that? How do we keep on keeping on in this thing called sin? You know, the, the moment we got saved, we're more alive than we ever have been in our lives. In fact, it's, uh, you know, if you're lost, it's, you're really a dead man walking. But, it's a sa- but, you know, when we got saved, we're alive, but yet we're dead. It, that's what Paul says. Remember, Paul's not asking a question for information. He's actually making a, he is presenting a rhetorical question. It's designed to declare the impossibility of a thing. What he's essentially saying here that it's mechanically impossibility for a Christian to habitually sustain that same relationship that he had when he was lost. In other words, he cannot maintain as a saved person, he cannot keep on keeping on and, and carrying out that evil, living in that evil nature that, he's, that he had before he, God ever saved him. In other words, what Paul is saying here to me is as soon as a person dies, he, should, he loses all his natural desires that he had before uh, for example, he, he, uh, if a person is an alcoholic, he loses that natural desire to want to keep drinking. Now, understand that his physical body still craves alcohol. But he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, remember Paul said. Now, I understand that uh, we, people struggle with that are saved with drinking and all that. I understand that. But they don't want to. That's how they know they're saved. They may drink, they may have problems with it, but they don't want to continue on in that evil nature. Now, when they were lost, on the other hand, that's the only nature they knew. That's the only side that they knew. But now that they're saved, they got two sides, remember? You got one that reigns in sin, one that reigns in grace, as he spoke about. Well, this is true for Christians. When we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, Paul is saying we died to that controlling influence of sin. Sin's still there, but it no longer has us enslaved. And he talks about that later on even. But grace, thank God for grace, amen. Grace makes it possible for a Christian to live a life of a, outside of that habitual sin. You know, I know that the old nature still yearns for that, uh, for sin, uh, to express sin in their lives. And it still wants everything that it, that that old sin nature always had, it still has that taste for sin. I mean, I get that, okay? In fact, that old nature will not change until it dies at the end of this old physical, when this old physical body dies off. And when this old physical body dies off and it's in the presence of the Lord, we only have that one rule that's reigning in our life then, and that's that rule of grace because we stand in the presence of God. But until then, we've got to deal with it. You see, when we're saved, we, make, we became a new creature in Christ. The new man that's living in this physical body, he's to be dead to sin. He doesn't really want to sin. And I don't know about you, I sin a whole lot more than I want to. But I, here's the thing, how I know I'm saved. Sin no longer appeals to me like it used to when I was lost. Now, I realize that some people have a hard time grasping that because it seems like that you still want to sin. Like I said, I sin more than I want to. Much more, in fact. But here's the key, I think. The key is accepting the reality of this passing away to sin 
And I think it's seen, found right here in, in verse 11 of chapter 6. Likewise, you also. Watch what he said. He said, reckon. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, what Paul was saying here in verse 11 was, when he used the word reckon, he was using an accounting term. He said, I want you to add up the facts. I want you to weigh the facts. Add them up. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at adding. I've been adding for a long time. I've been doing a lot of calculating over my lifetime, being a surveyor and all. What Paul is saying, he says, I want you to take the evidence. I want you to add up the evidence, and then I want you to see, look at the evidence, and then I want you to declare to yourself that I am dead to sin. Sin, you don't have dominion over me anymore. I'm alive and I'm free in Christ Jesus. In other words, folks, we need to understand that's something that God is not going to do for you. That is something he's telling you that you've got to be willing to do for yourself. You've got to be willing to actively be involved in this accepting the fact and realizing this fact that you have died in sin and therefore you no longer have to be in bondage to sin. Paul would say in verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion. He said it shall not have dominion, verse 14. Why? For you are not under law, but under grace. Under grace. But understand, God puts a responsibility for us to make that, that conscious decision, that choice, that we are, not, are going to be dead to sin. And understand, in order to do that, he's given us all the tools all the, the power, the things that, it, that we have inside of us. He's given us the Holy Spirit of God. He's empowered it with his Holy Spirit. And we can do it, but we've got to be willing to yield to his will. And so, that, you know, it, and then it just begs the question tonight. Have you accepted, first of all, the reality of your passing and the death of sin? You see, we're dead in Christ. But then I want you to notice in verses 3 and 4, we're also alive in Christ. Verse 3 tells us that we've been placed in him when we received Jesus Christ. We were baptizing him. And as a result, we were baptizing his death. You know, to me, Paul is here is trying to use a, the illustration of water baptism to express what happens at salvation, and that is spirit baptism. In fact, we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. You see, a believer's baptism is, by immersion, is a beautiful, wonderful picture of this event that takes place when we're saved. I have trusted Jesus Christ, and then I have died with Christ. I'm buried with him just as he was buried. I was buried with him and in him. And then when I was buried, that old man was put to death, and I rise anew as a new creature made alive in Jesus Christ. What Paul is simply telling us here is that when we got saved, we were simply placed in the body of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we participate with him. He goes on to tell us that when we were placed in Christ, not only were we placed in his life, but we were placed in his death. Just as Christ died, we died. Okay? Just as he defeated sin through his death, well, now we can live by being given the victory today through that death of Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross... Guess what? All those who placed their faith in him died also. I mean, have you ever thought about it as some extraordinary miracle that God did? That when we were, the moment that we got saved, somehow that we were taken back some 2,000 years and we were placed on the cross of Christ. So just as when he died, 
some 2,000 years, we died with him. In fact, that's why we can have victory over sin in our lives. Because the child of God is dead to sin. But you know what? Why do we have so much trouble? I, I think the reason that we have so much trouble is that there again, it's simply we don't, we're unwilling to accept the fact that we've died to sin. We no longer have to have sin ruling in our lives. There's someone else that can reign in our life who would just allow them to have their place in our life. And of course, once again, I think the solution is found, the problem is found there in verse 11. We must do that accounting again, that reckoning. And uh, we've got to add up the facts. We've got to calculate to ourselves that we're dead to sin. Well, if we're dead in Christ, we're alive in Christ. Verse 4 tells us then, what are we to do when we realize we've done this reckoning, we've done this calculating, we've added up the facts, we looked it over, we've seen, well, okay, I'm dead in sin. What does that mean? Well, now we've got to be willing to walk anew in Christ, raised with him. Notice what he says in verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know, not only did we die with Jesus on the cross, but guess what? We also rose with Jesus from the dead. He arose, I arose. He arose, you arose. When he died on the cross, he was dying for your, my sin, your sin, everyone's sin. When he died on the cross, we died with him. When he rose from the dead, we were with him. When he rose from that grave that Sunday morning, we rose alive with him just like that. That's what he used, why he used the word like there. Just as we were in Adam in our sin, when he sinned in the garden Edom, his sin passed right on to us. So too, when we were in Jesus, when he died, he rose from the dead. So what Paul's trying to tell us here is that our life, our life is immediately tied to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We participate in his death. We too participate in his life. No doubt that's why he told Nicodemus that he needed to be born again in John chapter 3 and verse 7. Except you be born again, Nicodemus. Except you be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know when a person receives Jesus as Savior, clearly Paul is pointing out he becomes a partaker of his death. And at that same instant, he becomes a taker of his life. Paul would say over in Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. He made us alive together with Jesus Christ. For by grace have you been saved. Well, because, he's dead, because he died, we died to sin. Because he lives, we live to God, to the things of God. So what does that mean for us? Well, we've got to walk with him. The believer should walk in a matter that is consistent with this new life. But there again, that comes down to a conscious decision and choice on our part. And if we're going to walk with Christ, we've got to walk as Christ walked. Since we died to sin, since we have been raised up to a new life, then there's some truths that you and I need to know. We received a command from the Lord in this verse. And this command is that if we're dead to sin, if we died with him, we rose up with him, then we've got to walk with him. We've got to walk with him. And newness of life, that is the life after Jesus Christ is supposedly be vastly different than the life before Jesus. A life that's brand new. We have a new nature. Uh, Peter talked about that in 2 Peter 2, 4. But we are partakers now, he says, of that divine nature. Paul would say in, 2, in Corinthians 5, 17, old things have now passed away. What? All things. How many? All things are now brand new. 
So if this is true, and it is, if this is true and it is, then why do I struggle? Why do we struggle when, when lives are so tainted with sin? You know, as long as we live in this old world, there's a warfare that's going to go on. Paul talks about that later on in, in uh, Romans chapter 7. He said, the things that I should do, that's what I do. The things I shouldn't do, well, that's what I shouldn't do. And I paraphrase, you, you understand. But I love how he ends it up and he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Who shall deliver me, folks? We cannot deliver ourselves. It takes an awesome, mighty power to deliver us from this battle with sin that we have in our lives. And there's many battles there's many battles. Well, there's many battles we can win them if we remember the secret is to, re once again, is revealed in Romans 6, 11. We've got to do some reckoning. We've got to do some adding up. We've got to do some calculating. We've got to add up the facts. We've got to calculate ourselves. Hey, guess what? I'm dead to sin. Sin don't have to have dominion in my life. Sin don't have to rule in my life. I can walk with Jesus. I can walk a new life. I can do this, but I can't do it in and of myself. I can only do it through the power and my willingness to submit my life to the will, God's will in my life. In other words, Lord, take me, make me have thy own will in my life, Lord. That's got to be our prayer tonight. Lord, you have your way in my life. I can't do this, Lord. And the moment we decide in our lives that I can't do this, that's when God takes up and takes over. And folks, life gets really good then. He takes charge. And then we can walk into in life, but we got to be willing to make the conscious decision you know, God just, uh, he's gracious enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to move in unless you open the door and let me in. You've got to be willing to say, here, Lord, come, have your way in my life. So, we've added the facts up. We calculate ourselves dead to sin. If that be the case, and it is, if you and I are, are really saved, then we need to understand something. That this body belongs to God. I know that sin still is tainted in it. I know sin still is still on the other side. In fact, the very words in the, in the Greek language that Paul was using here, it speaks about a severing here, a cleavage that's made. In other words, even though that we are dead to sin, sin has been pushed over to here. The new life is over here. And it's kind of like the old Indian said one time that when he got saved. Somebody asked him, said, well, how's it going now that you got saved? He said, well, it's going pretty good, but there's two dogs warring in my life. And he said, well, we need two dogs. Well, there's a good dog and there's a bad dog. He said, which one's winning? Well, which one I feed the most? You know, so it comes down, which one are we going to feed the most? Well, man shall not, guess what? Shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's why God tells us we're to feed upon his word. We've got to feed the inner man upon God's word. And the more we do that, in fact, Paul even asked a rhetorical question to the uh, the folks there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And, and I love this. And you are not your own. Why? Because you've been bought. You've been bought with a price. A price that we couldn't pay. A price that only Jesus Christ could pay. The highest price that anybody could ever pay. God's only begotten son. 
He paid a price by becoming all sin. He who knew no sin became all sin in order that you and I could, could be with him. And he said, when you take that into account, when you do that reckoning here, and he's, he says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, once again, which are God's. Paul would say in Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that, who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I do what? I live by faith. That's that conscious decision on our part once again to make that conscious determination. I'm going to live, but I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to be dead to sin. I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, that former occupant that occupied and filled our life up, that old nature, that old sin nature is dead. It no longer has control. Oh, I know it's still around. I know it's still hanging around over there, but it's as good as dead. It can still influence our life, but it, that comes down to our choice. Because this new occupant, the Holy Spirit of God, it's his house. He paid for it. He purchased it. It belongs to him. And he paid with it for the blood of Jesus Christ. It is his and no longer ours. And that's why we can sing that old song, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me. He bought me with his redeeming love, blood. He loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath, beneath that cleansing flood. Friend, we are dead. Men, we're dead, but we're alive. We're dead and alive. We're dead to sin, but alive in Jesus Christ. And that's the analogy that that is what Paul was trying to get across to his readers. And he carries that on out all the way through the whole chapter, right on into chapter 7. So, but friend, where does that put you at tonight? Once again, there's only two choices in life. One is it that you're either a saved sinner or a lost sinner. You know, at some point in time, folks, there comes a time that we have to be willing to make that decision. Am I going to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, or have I received Jesus Christ as my Savior? Are you so content with living in sin as, as a lost person that... Uh, you don't have any taste for righteousness. Maybe because you had never heard about this Jesus. This Jesus that only him that can save. A Jesus that only him that can take away that, that sin, that thing, that tainted sin that separates you from God. That emptiness that you have inside tonight. Whatever your spiritual need is tonight, I just pray that you do business with God while there's still yet time. We don't know how many hours and minutes that we have. I know preachers say that all the time, but it still rings true. It's still the absolute truth. There's only a certain amount of time that we have. Because the Bible goes on and says, appointed unto man wants to die. Then what? The judgment. That's right. And so tonight, friend, what about sin in your life? Paul's not talking about acts of sin. He's talking about the fact of sin. That sin that separates us from God. Because one of the last things he says there in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the penalty of sin is death. But to get to God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. The penalty for sin, the act, not the acts of sin, but the fact of sin. The fact of sin is death. But guess what? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us pray.